Welcome to Beyond Bite Wings, the business side of dentistry, brought to you by Edwards & Associates PC. Join us as we discuss how to build your dental practice, optimize your income, and plan for your future. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Edwards & Associates PC is not rendering legal, accounting, or professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information that is shared. At Edwards & Associates PC, our business is the business of dentistry. For help or more information, visit our website at enassociates.com. Welcome to Beyond Bite Wings. I'm Amber. We have Lynn Ledbetter. Hello. Robert Edwards. Hello. And Ash Fazula. Hello. And what are we going to talk about today? Tax planning. The topic everyone wants to talk about because it's so stimulating. It is. Like movie reviews. I was going to say boring, but we're we're accountants anyway, so people (laughs) know we're boring. But it's year end. And so I think people really do want to hear about tax planning. I don't know if they want to hear about it, but I think they They acknowledge they need to hear about it. So, yeah, I think they do want to hear about it in in that regard. And so this has been a crazy year. I'm surprised to be here at the end of the year. This year has both drug on forever and flown by. It's the weirdest year ever. It's flown by, but there's three months left. That actually reminds me of this meme that I read this morning when I woke up. It actually said, Congratulations, you made it to October. <laughs> Welcome to level 10 of Jumanji. Yes. <laughs> and, no. And I was cracking up so much because really I was thinking, wow, level 10, really, it has been 10 months already. Yeah. It's craziness. But we have to start thinking about year end. And just a few months ago, we were thinking about how we were going to make payroll because patients weren't coming in and... No expenses could be paid and there was no revenue. And we've gone from that to, okay, here we are at year end. And how is this going to all affect my taxes? And a lot of people are asking us, we have all this money. What do we do with it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is not where I expected to be. I agree. And this year we've got a lot of unique or first time situations with COVID that affect the taxability of our clients' practices. Yeah, I know some of the phrases that have come out of this year are so overplayed, like the new, new normal. normal. Right. Mm-hmm. But the one that I am so sick of saying is, I'm sorry, we just don't have guidance yet. Because <laughs> it keeps on changing. I've said it like yeah. a thousand times this year. And I don't, I'm like, I really do know what I'm talking about, but I don't have the guidance yet. So guidance is starting to come down. We think it's all going to change, but we're going to talk about how it is today. This is at the moment. This is how the guidance comes out. Yeah, I can promise you it's going to change. It's going to change. Because it's changed how many times? Right. 15 times oh, so far this year. It. Maybe yeah, more. I think more. It's beyond uh, crazy. It's been a roller coaster. Probably changed 15 times just in April. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The nightmare. So what are some of the unique tax planning things that we need to cover this year? Uh, there are a lot of unique things this year, mostly from relief standpoint. So you got a lot of money this year that you would not normally get. PPP money, paycheck protection program money. There's been government relief through health and human services. There's been local grants. There's been unemployment. Some of you may have received unemployment. Idle loans and emergency funds and just none of these things have we really had to encounter before. Some of them brand new to COVID, in fact, created for COVID. 
And so we have to figure out what the tax effect is on all of these things. And I'm just going to, spoiler alert, it's not good. <laughs> Explain that. <laughs> I know what you're talking about, but I don't think the audience does. Well, it's, it's by and large, the, all of these things are going to be taxable in either directly or indirectly. And I think if you're not prepared, you're going to be in for a shock and possibly a shock you're not prepared for from a cash flow standpoint. So technically the PPP funds aren't taxable to the clients. Correct. So how is it going to hurt me tax-wise? Yeah, that's a great question. So yeah, it was specifically in the legislation that it would not be taxable income because of course we're going off the assumption that these funds are going to be forgiven. The, the PPP loan was in fact a loan, but the vast majority of these are going to be forgiven 100%. And so once you have forgiveness of a loan, that typically turns to income. But the legislation clearly stated that it would not be taxable income once it was forgiven. But then the IRS came back sort of behind everybody's backs and said, OK, that's great. But whatever you spend it on, you're not going to get to deduct. So what that essentially does is turn it into taxable income. It's a complicated calculation based on a law. But what it does is turn it into taxable income. So the effect that Congress did not intend is what is going to ultimately happen. It's like any tax law that's passed rapidly. They've, they failed to think it all the way through. And so they don't understand the consequences of it. We've asked them, I say we, several people in the industry have asked Congress to rectify that, to make the expenses paid with the and PPP funds. I think they want to, yeah. But I don't expect them to get around to that uh, before- the end of the year. I agree with that. So we may be preparing tax returns for 2020 in early 2021 and the rules haven't been finalized yet. I think that's going to delay the finalizing of the tax returns, so unfortunately. So do you think we'll have an extension of the time to file next year? No, absolutely. I don't expect us to either. So I think we're going to have to file a lot of extensions and wait for the guidance to come out. But as it stands right now, those expenses are not going to be deductible. But the forgiveness portion, the actual act of the loan being forgiven hasn't occurred yet. It doesn't occur until 2021. So if you want to be really creative, some people say, take the deductions now. When it's forgiven, then I have to undo all that and have the tax effect next year. You're talking about an administrative nightmare, possibly amended returns. It's something that it's really too early to decide what the best strategy is. All we can do right now is play by the rules that are in place and not the ones that we hope come down and throw those out. And wait on further guidance. And wait on further <laughs> guidance. <laughs> During these unprecedented times. That's right. Thank you. We'll throw some more cliches in there oh, as we go sure. along. For sure. Until we return to the new normal. <laughs> uh, so that's the main one. But as far as some of the other relief packages, you've got your county and local grants. Those are going to be taxable. You've got your emergency and sick leave credits that you may have given some of your employees or being either out with COVID or their children are out with COVID or the daycares and schools were closed. Those are going to be taxable. The idle grant, not taxable. Out of all the hundreds of thousands of dollars that you've received, you can exclude 10. Um, <laughs> if you got the full 10. If you got the true. full 10, yeah. However many employees you had pretty much dictated. Because they started doing a calculation to give those grants out. And by the end, they were like, just tell us how many of your employees you have. We'll write you a check. Because they can't keep up. And mm -hmm. that's the whole problem. They, they can't keep up with it, the multitude of things that are going it on. It was taking them too long to get the grant money out. And let's see what else do we have. The unemployment income, that's going to be taxable. 
that's something I'm not sure a lot of people understand. It's always been taxable. This isn't new this year. What's new this year is that so many people received the unemployment income. And I think people were hoping that since it was a pandemic, since it was emergency, federal emergency was in place, may still be. I actually don't know the answer to that. And so maybe that would be excluded potentially from income, sheltered, but that's not the case. A lot of people on unemployment were making as much or more as they were before. I'm not talking about the dentists and the practice owners, but your front desk person, the person that works at Target, a lot of those people were making more on unemployment than they were at their regular jobs. So the government has no incentive to shelter that from tax because you theoretically have the money to pay the taxes because you've got more money. So that's going to be taxable income. And I think that comes as a surprise. Not only is it taxable income, but taxes probably weren't withheld from it. So you haven't paid the taxes on it. So that may be a boost to the balance due that you have in April. What other relief have we not covered? Because there was a lot. HHS. Do we talk about HHS, whether it's taxable? It is. I'll just throw it in there. It is. So most of the relief packages result in taxable income. That's correct. Now you said that the emergency sick leave and FMLA credits were taxable, Mm -hmm. but they're tax credits. Well, they're tax credits against payroll taxes. So yes, you got to reduce the amount of payroll taxes you paid by these credits. So that's where your benefit came in. But that amount that you didn't have to pay, there's an offset to that that's going to be taxable for federal income tax purposes. So a slide of hand, it's not because you got a better benefit. A, you got a better benefit. A credit is always better than um, a, ta- a deduction, a deduction yeah. or an income item. So that's good. But you also received it when it was most critical. So that was your other benefit. But now there are some tax consequences of that, unfortunately. What about COVID distributions, retirement distributions? Because that was a new provision that a lot of people... I don't know if as many people took advantage of that. Some people certainly did. What are the tax effects of that? I don't think very many people took advantage of that at all. I only know out of our clients, a handful that might have, I'm not even sure, uh, I know of a handful that did. Right. But there were two, not necessarily new, there was one new COVID-related retirement distribution that you could take. And then there was the expansion of the loans due to COVID. You could always take a loan from your retirement plan of up to 50000 or 50% of the assets. That was doubled this year to 100000 And the new deduction was a COVID-related distribution, CRD, that you could take of up to 100000 And you could take both of those or okay. one or the other. The difference is the loan has to be repaid over a minimum maximum of five years for Prime plus 1%. And that's a loan. So that's re- a loan. repaying that is expected. So yep. so that makes sense. But what about the distribution? And the distribution, most distributions from retirement plans would have to be repaid in a shorter period of time. But the CRD has to be repaid over three years. And if it's not repaid, the amount not repaid becomes taxable. Now, if you take the 100000 and don't repay any of it, then it's not taxable till the end of the third year, but it's taxable in the year you took it. So you might actually have to go back and file amended returns if you didn't pay the taxes on it when you took it, expecting to repay it, Uh, but then later didn't repay it. Because trust me, people will do that. I believe me. I agree (laughs) with that statement 100%. The best of intentions. And plus, we don't know what's going to happen with the rest of 
fall but, and winter with a pandemic. Well, yeah. What if we have a resurgence? Then yeah, if we have a resurgence, people may not be able to repay. That's it. right. If those funds, the purpose of those distributions was to be able to float the pla- the practices or the businesses or your lifestyle or whatever it was. And if you end up using those funds for that purpose, you may not have it to pay back within three years, and you may have to take the income hit on it. But at least it was available. It it was a good availability of funds. And the good thing about the COVID-related distribution is you can repay that with no interest. Oh. So you take 100000 out, which you repay as 100000 Wow, that's... Or you take 50000 out, you repay 50000 Whatever deal. you take out, you repay that. So that's a, a non-interest-bearing loan. Like Basically. For three years. Not easy to find those. No, <laughs> impossible. Ash, do you have anything to add? Yes, I was just thinking if people are pulling so much money out from their retirement, how would that affect them on a long-term basis? Obviously, that'll hurt them in reaching their goals for retirement. Mm -hmm. So they may have to work a a few extra years at the end of their career. The goal is certainly to get it paid back as soon as possible. This shouldn't be the number one go-to option. Right. No, it's there as an emergency hardship procedure, and it shouldn't be used unless you're out of other options. I see. Right. Good option. It was a good option, Mm -hmm. but it's not something that you want to take lightly. It's something you want to rectify as soon as possible because ultimately it's going to affect your long-term financial health. And if I remember correctly, the CRD is only available until December 31st. I, I don't remember those dates. That very likely could be true, but you also do have to be in a hardship situation. So that was easy to say in March and April and May when you didn't know what was happening. But now a lot of our clients are recovered. I would say a good 55% of our clients have completely recovered from the two months down. Now that may change, but right now they're recovered. Making the statement, the attestation that you're in a hardship situation may be difficult to do right now. So technically may be available, but it may be a stretch. It may be a stretch. That's not true for everyone though. There are practices that are still down and still struggling. And that's definitely an option for them. Yeah. And I think some of the audience may be wondering if we, you said we have 50, 55% of our clients that are actually up, up. but of the other 45%, how bad are they doing? I only know of one client that we've had that actually has had to file bankruptcy. I, I agree with that statement, but there are some that are down. Um, they're, they're very strong practices. So they're going to be fine because they have, uh, fail safes in place, they have their cash reserves, they have their plans. But there are some that are down significantly, hundreds of thousands of dollars over under a prior year. And I have heard in other parts of the country that the um, ratio of the bankruptcies is much higher. Yeah, that's a good point. We should speak to the fact that uh, while we do have clients all over the nation, they are largely based in Texas. And let's be honest, we're fortunate here. Our economy is great. Our practices have rebounded really well. We weren't closed as long as a lot of the, especially the really big cities like New York closed a long time, yeah, California closed a long Coast, time. Yeah. And so they were hurt more than ours were. And I think it was an uncertainty as whether the patients would come back. So yeah, you can open, but nobody's going to come back and sit in your chair. And that proved to be not the case. And so I think because of that, we're sitting in maybe a better financial spot than some people are in the country for sure. And then what about accelerating our expenses? I know that's typically one of the advice that we give to our clients during tax planning, but for this year, do you think that is something that they should focus on or? I do. And the reason I do, one reason that I do is because I read an article recently 
that indicated, actually what I saw was a draft copy of Joe Biden's tax plan. So if he gets elected, rates will go up. And so people are talking about accelerating your income into this year, accelerating your expenses into I've this heard year. That strategy, yeah. Uh, uh, to get the full effect of the deductions this year and then pay less tax next year with, at the higher rate. I see. And does that also include maybe looking to purchasing equipment or renewing some of their older equipment? You know, that seems like our clients, mostly dentists, that seems like that, that's their go-to year-end plan is to buy more equipment, but there's only so many toys you can buy. Once you have all six of your operatories or however many you have, once they're all equipped, what else can you get? Right. And there are a few other toys you can get. At some point, it's not really cost-effective to buy more equipment because you still got to repay the loan if you take out a loan for it. Right. It's like an immediate gratification situation. Yeah. It's kind of, it's fun. Something Mm -hmm. new and something new I can offer to patients. So I tell clients, If you need the equipment for patient care, buy it. If the question is, do I buy it this year or next year, buy it now. But don't buy it just for tax purposes because you're going to pay more for that equipment than you would pay in tax if you just bite the bullet and pay the tax. And if you need it, like need, and and we're talking the true definition of need. (laughs) If you really need it, yes, buy it. But if it's just something that would make your practice more efficient, if it would raise productivity and ultimately raise your income, but it's not a true need, then you are flexible when you make that purchase. It could be December, it could be January, and the tax consequences are pretty big. So I think the answer is we're going to have to wait till the election and see what happens. Because if there's a change in who holds power, essentially, I think you're going to be better off potentially pushing that purchase to January or further into the new year and take the deduction at the higher rate. If there's not a change, there probably won't be much change in the tax. There might be some. Eventually, this currently $3.2 trillion stimulus package is going to have to be paid back. That's the reality. Uh, I don't know when we're going to do that. I doubt it would be in 2021 because people are still recovering from the pandemic. So if there's not a change in the government, probably a status quo situation. If you need the deduction and you need the equipment, go ahead and buy it. But If there is a change, you might want to consider pushing it off. Now, the other thing we also need to look into. Before we go on, one of the other considerations in buying new equipment is timing-wise. A lot of the dental supply companies or the dental equipment companies tell you have to order by the 1st of October or maybe, I don't know, maybe the 1st of November. Depending on the size of of what you need. And depending on what you're ordering. I know the chairs seem to have the longest lead time. But for your equipment, I think they're hand stitched by the Shine guys. That's my understanding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do I'll they also them. make desks for homeschooled right, students? Right, because there are none to be found. Yeah, nowhere, <laughs> nowhere. Yeah, laptops, yeah. chairs, Mon- mm-hmm. monitors. Go ahead. Yes. Um, yeah. So it may be too late to get those orders in for the current year. And the other thing is, equipment has to be installed to be deductible. Many of our clients think they can buy it and pay for it. And it's deductible, even if it's sitting in a warehouse somewhere. Not the case. It's got to be installed and in use to be deductible for tax purposes. Yeah, it's one of those little catches. Yeah. But you have to check all the boxes. Cash, move on. Oh, that was what what he was going to talk about. You just stole his thunder. (laughs) You apologize to him right now. Because I remember we talked about this and I'm like, hey, maybe he should mention this. My bad. (laughs) No, no, he did. He did exactly what I was going to... 
Robert is psychic. We try to keep that a secret. Yes. Maybe. Or it could be that. We both have the same Zodiac sign. <laughs> uh, what other tax planning tips do you have for clients? A lot of them are case by case. Is, is about, uh, do we ever, how do we feel about ha- having kids on the payroll? Is that something we recommend to clients? We do have clients that will ask me that. A lot of times they'll say, hey, I have a son or a daughter that I would like to put on payroll. Is it possible? And if so, how do I go about it? And sometimes a client will ask me, my son or daughter is only three years old. How can I justify having that child? Or six months old. Mm -hmm. Some of them are tiny. Mm -hmm. But can they be on payroll? What can they do? What services can they perform for that practice? If we're strictly talking about a minor who can't really perform any office duties, a lot of times they can be used for marketing purposes, for marketing articles. Mm -hmm. If we're talking about maybe uh, updating the website with a picture of the doctor, uh, the dentist, and their children. That can be done. Pamphlets, brochures, door hangers. So we would pay them a modeling fee. Right. Correct. So in essence, it's not really payroll, even though you will be running it through your payroll, but it is actually a compensation fee for the modeling services. And a lot of times, if they're a little older than that, we can have them uh, doing janitorial services or mailing and... uh, Peeling and sticking stamps and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, licking envelopes and <laughs> right. mailing things. So they can help out in the office in a, a productive way and still be on the payroll to some degree. And speaking of marketing, kids these days are very tech savvy. They They're are. Very, yeah. Every day, whenever you go someplace, everybody's holding a phone. They're recording themselves. They're taking pictures. Right. Yes, it's to their social benefit. But at the same time, <laughs> if you look at it from a financial standpoint, you can actually use this to your marketing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, just put have, them to your social benefit. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Have them maybe record videos while you're mm-hmm. performing a service, open an Instagram account and have them help you out with your social media by providing content. And they like to do it. They're very tech savvy about it. They, they know how well, to yeah, do it. Yeah, we this. ask our kids to help us for a reason because right. they know more than we do. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yes. Uh, I'm, At least reminded mine of, does. I'm reminded of that almost every day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. What's, what's one of the biggest tax deductions that we can advise our clients to implement before the end of the year? And this is something I feel like the clients are also well aware of. It's uh, retirement. Well aware of, but not always compliant. That is true. That is also true. Even yeah. though it's good advice from a tax standpoint, but also from a financial standpoint. So, so, so what are the objections to them being compliant with adopting a retirement plan? I think the, I guess the biggest resistance is cash. They just, they would rather spend their money on toys as they go along. And <laughs> it takes a little foresight and fortitude to put money aside for retirement. It's not your instant gratification. I think the interesting thing is that our younger dentists are all into retirement. They are all about it and all on board. And they're going to be in great shape one day. The millennials, these evil people, get a bad rap. (laughs) But really, there's a lot of good about them, and that's one of them. And they're really careful with their spending, and they're putting money into retirement now, and they're getting the tax benefits from it. And I think there's a um, a group out there who probably listen to 80s music and watch those (laughs) shows, which is my generation, I have to say. They're... They're less inclined to do it. And then one day they go, oh, how am I supposed to retire? Exactly. And I think the ADA actually has a statistic out there that says less than 5% of the dentists age 65 or older can afford to retire. It's terrible. It is terrible. We usually get a call from 
clients when they get into their early 40s. Oh my God, I'm 40. What do I do now? <laughs> now, because they haven't started saving yet for retirement. And that's not too late. It's not. No. Know, give me 20 years mm-hmm. and follow my advice and we can make you financially independent. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anything else, Ash, that you want to add as far as tax planning tips? I mean, there are other tips, but they're specific to case by case. You need to consult your tax advisor. So I think we wrap it before we mind numb them. So would this advice apply to all clients? What about those associates that are just W-2 employees? They have a lot fewer options, unfortunately, as far as flexibility and creativity and how they reduce their taxes because they're bound by the rules in place. And the rules in place are you just can't really deduct anything from those wages. But if they're 1099. Different situation. Yeah. If you are an associate and you're working for a practice, this really does vary state by state. So you have to be careful with this advice. But if you have your own entity and, and your paid contract through your own entity, if that's allowed where you are, then you have a lot more flexibility and a lot more tax saving strategies that you can pursue. Anything else we want to add? What about uh, some of the deductions that are pretty aggressive that the IRS is sort of... Oh, conservation easements. Oh, yeah. You're talking mm. conservation easements. <laughs> Where'd that come from? Yeah, conservation easements. If you want to be audited, I would do one. Well, didn't I see something <laughs> recently where the there, basically the IRS would like to audit everybody that got a conservation easement over the prior three years? I haven't seen that, but I did see that they're planning to audit 80% of the conservation easements that are being deducted at this time. So That's pretty close to everybody. That is pretty close to everybody. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to be in that pool is all I can say because the... IRS and Congress, everybody involved has made it very clear that they've been abusive and that that wasn't their intent. So they're going after them hardball. And I don't think you're going to, in most cases, find a way to get that deduction allowed. So you're going to be in for a big tax hit. They look great on paper. Big tax deduction, very little cash output. But hello, is it too good to be true? Yes, it's too good to be true. (laughs) If it's too good to be true, if it it looks like it's too good to be true, it's probably too good to be true. right. Okay. Anything else that we want to tell them about tax planning this year other than call Be prepared. Your, what I would say is be prepared. Call your tax professional. Yes. If your tax professional is not, not responsive or not knowledgeable in the dental industry, give us a call. We'll be glad to help you out. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to subscribe to Beyond Bite Wings on your favorite podcast platform. For more info, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, or reach out to us on our website. You can also shoot us an email at info at eandassociates.com.